0: let's open the words. we're going to read together, then we're going to sing. Uh, Craig's going to come up and introduce our next two testimonies and then open the word for us. We're going to open at Luke chapter five, and we're going to read the first eleven verses together. if you've got a Bible, you can open and read with me. Luke chapter five from verse one. Jesus calls the first disciples on one occasion. While the crowds were pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gerenizet, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boats. so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen.
1: Real life stories. And I want to tell you a story tonight. Jonathan has already read it for us. If you have a Bible or if it's on your phone or your app, have a look at uh, Luke chapter 5. And I want to tell you this story and look about it for four reasons. Number one, because it's about the Lord Jesus, he's the life changer. Number two, because it's a story about someone who wasn't particularly interested in the Lord Jesus to begin with, and that might be you. You might be an invited friend tonight, and you've come along, and you're really happy for them, and it's it's so kind that you came. We're thrilled that you're here, but you personally might be that little step back, just not that interested in the Lord Jesus. I've got a story for you. Third reason, it's a true story. Like all the other stories we've heard tonight, this is, a, this is an historic event. This happened. And the fourth reason I want to tell it, it was set in a warm climate on a beach by the sea. And who doesn't want a story about that on a February night in the west of Scotland? I want to draw your attention to four aspects in the life of Simon Peter from this story in the few moments that we have tonight, just as we work our way through it. And the number one is this. See if you can picture these in your mind. Four pictures of Simon Peter. Number one, Peter washing his nets. Listen to this, verse one, on one occasion while the while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now Peter was one of those fishermen, and he had been out on a fishing trip, and now he was busy doing what they had to do after every fishing trip to make sure the nets weren't damaged and get them ready for the next trip. And I imagine, like anybody who's worked a night shift, as I have, Peter just wanted to get the nets cleaned as quickly as possible and get up the road and get into his kip because he'd been out fishing all night, as verse 5 Tells us He'd been fishing when everyone else was sleeping, and now he was tired. Not only tired, but very frustrated. Because again, verse 5 tells us that he'd worked hard all night and hadn't caught anything. Now, he wasn't angling for fun. He wasn't fishing for fun. He was fishing for cash. If he didn't catch fish, he didn't earn his living. So we can imagine now what that's like. I used to, when I was a, before and during my student years, I worked as a, a bus driver, a coach driver in the long distance from Glasgow to London and various other parts of the UK. And I can remember coming off the night shift with my eyes so gritty, because as the sun comes up, as it occasionally does in Scotland, as the sun came up, you after the dark of night, your eyes really begin to sting. And I can think of Peter here with his... Uh, muscles aching, his eyes gritty in the daylight, his stomach empty, his heart heavy. He just wanted done and home. And it seems at first as though this guy, Simon Peter, wasn't paying a huge amount of attention to what was going on further along the beach where a great crowd, we, we learned, we read, had gathered to hear the Lord Jesus. They were fascinated by Jesus. Peter wasn't at this point in time. He was too wrapped up in his own issues to be particularly bothered with Jesus. Maybe you know that feeling. Maybe that is precisely how you feel as you come here tonight. And even at this moment, there are things that come into your head that distract you from what I'm saying and make hearing God's word very difficult. Well, I want to encourage you. Peter was in that situation Precisely. And the things that Peter was focusing on were absolutely legitimate. And that's often the case, isn't it? I don't know what's in your mind tonight. It might be problems at work as you think about Monday morning. It might be money worries. It might be family concerns, relational difficulties, health scare, something like that, or just the busyness of life. Well, there was Peter. He had already met Jesus on an earlier occasion. He knew something of his power. But on this day, when others were pressing in to hear Jesus, couldn't get close enough to, him to hear him, a huge crowd of Peter of people, Peter had other things pressing in in his mind. He wasn't part of that growing crowd, anxious to hear the word of God. But do you know what's so thrilling in verse two? That whether or not Peter was interested in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus was interested in Peter. And what appears here is that the Lord had noticed the empty boats, he'd noticed the fishermen, like Peter, cleaning the nets. And of course, he knew all about the miserable night that they'd been through. He knew all about their worries. And I can tell you in the strength of this verse and many other verses in the Bible, there is nothing in your life, however distant you are from him, however little you know about him, there is nothing in your life that he does not know about. And he cares massively for you he knows you, he loves you, he's interested in your life. This story is all about Jesus being in complete control. And what Peter couldn't have known as he cleaned his nets and just wanted to get up the road was that even at that moment, Jesus was gathering a massive shoal of fish for him to catch. But we'll see more about that in a moment. There's the first thing. Can you picture it? Peter washing his nets. Second thing, Peter changing his mind. It's a wee bit more difficult to picture, isn't it? I think it's, if you imagine this. That's a, does that work for you? That's it. That's the picture of somebody changing their mind. That will work very well on the recording uh, for those who listen to it later. Verse three, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter. Jesus asked him to put out a little from the land And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So such was this vast crowd coming to hear Jesus that he couldn't actually stay on the land anymore. They were getting more and more and more. The crowd was getting thicker and thicker and he was getting nearer and nearer the water as I would be if I walked any further back. Only it wasn't a small tank, it was the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus decides he'll get into a boat, push out a little bit from the shore, and then that will be the perfect place, the platform from which he will speak. And I guess this command of Jesus, after Jesus had finished speaking, to put down the nets for a catch, must have taken Peter by surprise. After all, Peter was the professional fisherman. Jesus was a preacher, the son of a carpenter. And you can see, can't you, by Peter's initial response that he's not too impressed by the idea of going fishing again. Fishing was his thing. That was the thing that he knew about. And he knew that nighttime was the right time to catch fish. And so when he said in verse 5, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing if he, with his colleagues, with all his expertise, with all his experience, if they had worked hard all night and made every effort and caught no fish, what was the point in letting down the freshly clean nets in the middle of the day? So you can imagine the thoughts going through Peter's mind. If Jesus wants to, to use Peter's boat as a floating platform to preach from, crack on. He can do that as much as he likes because he's the preacher. He knows about preaching. But when he starts to tell the fishermen about how to behave when it's a fishing boat, well, that's a different matter. And you can hear in verse 5 the overtones of, I don't think this is going to work, in Simon Peter's mind. We toiled all night and took nothing. But at that moment, Peter had a decision to make. Would he trust that the Lord Jesus knew better than he knew, even in an area where Peter really knew his stuff. Well, verse 5, Master, retoiled all night and took nothing, but, you see the change of mind? At your word, because you say so, I will let down the nets. He has good reason for thinking this is going to be a waste of time, as the clean nets are thrown out again, but as they go back into the water, the question is, does Jesus know more about fishing than Peter? Well, have a look at verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. I bet Peter was glad that he changed his mind. And the question is, as you look at this tonight, as I look at this tonight, Does the Lord Jesus know more about your life and your work and your circumstances in all its complexity? And life is complicated. But does he know more about that than you do? Does he know more about your life and its intricacies than your teacher or your professor or your boss or your loved ones or your doctor or whoever may be a big figure in your life? And the answer of the Bible is yes, he does. And one of the points we learn from this text is if this is true, we should override every instinct to body-swerve Jesus and listen to him. We've all got that instinct to body-swerve him. We've all got a million reasons tonight for not really listening to this bloke talking about Jesus. But if this is true about him, we should override that crazy instinct and we should listen to him. The first picture, Peter washing his nets, the second one, him changing his mind. The third picture is even more difficult to imagine. But here it is, it's Peter sensing his sin. Have a look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, when he saw this colossal catch of fish and two boats beginning to sink under the weight when he toiled all night and caught nothing, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, notice with me very carefully, please, that's not Jesus telling Peter how sinful and undeserving he is. That's Peter talking about himself and his feelings in that moment. I know men aren't very good at expressing themselves. They're not very good at really sharing their feelings. You've got to work hard if you're a man to actually get out what you're feeling. But Peter, he sings like a canary. Out it comes. And think about it. Jesus hadn't said anything about Peter's sin. There was no conversation about sin going on here. Jesus had been preaching on the beach. Peter had been largely ignoring him. Jesus got into the boat. Simon pushed it out. Jesus finished doing the business with the preaching, then said to Simon, let down the nets for the catch. They did so, hauled up so much fish, two boats are now sinking. And Peter, in that context, suddenly says, I'm a sinful man and I don't belong in your presence. He is undone in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you might be saying, oh my goodness, here we go. You guys down at the Baptist Church always banging on about sin. But actually, pay attention just for a second longer. I'm not going to be long here. We've got four people to baptize and we're looking forward to doing that in the next few minutes. I want to tell you this. You might find this very hard to believe. But actually, if you and I actually found ourselves in the presence of the Lord Jesus, we would say something very similar. And we couldn't stop ourselves from saying something like that. We couldn't actually stop the words coming out, even though they are self-critical and pretty damning of ourselves. We wouldn't be able to stop ourselves. They were astonished, verse 9, at the catch of fish they'd taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners of Simon. And what is it that so so deeply strikes Peter as he realizes that Jesus is not just another man, but that he's Lord and God? What is it that strikes him in that moment as he encounters the living God? Well, it's not that Peter feels embarrassed because he's a poor fisherman. He's not a bit annoyed that he's let himself down nor is he left thinking that he could learn from Jesus and improve in a few areas and maybe Jesus would come out with him again tomorrow because even if three days a week Jesus came out in the boat, this could be great for business. No, he's not thinking about any of these things. It's much more basic than that, friends. Standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus, realizing who this is, who Jesus truly is. Though the Lord Jesus didn't raise this subject, Peter is overwhelmed about the truth about himself that had maybe never crossed his mind before. And from his own mouth comes this confession that he's a sinful man. Now, why would anyone ever admit to that? Let's face it, we all play the game of saving face, don't we, when we feel the need to estimate, as we sometimes do, at least in our heads, how good am I, how good, fit in with everybody else we tend to compare ourselves with others we deem to be worse we take a fairly low average performance and we comfort ourselves at least by the thought that we're not the worst so naturally we would never say a thing like this but Peter suddenly knew he was in the presence of awesome power and utter purity and he knew he didn't belong there and amazingly, he didn't run away from the Lord. He seemed to know that Jesus was in complete control. So he made his request and he gave his reason. He said, you go from me, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? But let me tell you, the reason I'm mentioning this tonight is that you have heard the stories of Joel and Helen and Kenny and Abisha and all of them had to get to this point. I had to get to this point. Everybody who knows and loves the Lord Jesus, who's part of our church family here, had to get to this uncomfortable point when we face the reality about ourselves. That however comfortable we may be with ourselves among our peers and our family and our friends and our loved ones, in the presence of God, we will suddenly discover that we are sinful to the core and we do not belong in his presence. That's a massive problem for us. And it's essential for us to get to this point because if we don't get to this point, we won't hear the wonderful news of the gospel. And that's what we're coming to now. Four pictures. Number one, Peter cleaning his nets. Number two, Peter changing his mind. Number three, Peter sensing his sin. Number four, and now we're done. Peter serving his Lord. The day had begun for Peter with one of the usual problems of life. But then as he finds that that problem has been solved by the miraculous catch of fish, he's confronted by the ultimate problem of life. So I talked about all the different issues and pressures that might be going on in your life and my life that nobody else knows about, and they are all the normal pressures of life. But here is the ultimate one. And that's what happens in life. We go through life facing as best as we can, overcoming the challenges. And we tend to give no thought to the ultimate problem that one day we will stand before Almighty God and we'll have to give an account of our lives to Him and what we've done with His Son whom He sent in love to be our Savior. And we will confess on that day that we are sinful, And we don't belong with Jesus. That's a massive problem. But although Jesus didn't raise the issue with Peter, Jesus knew it was true. What Peter said was true. That's why he came into the world. And I wonder, can you see how vast is the love of the Lord Jesus for us in this response to Peter? You see, the solution of the Lord Jesus to Peter's sinfulness was not Jesus going away from Peter but was Simon Peter going away with Jesus. Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land they left everything and followed him. And if if anything I've said tonight rings true and I'm praying that it does and that the Lord might be working and speaking to you not just you hearing my voice but hearing the Almighty God speak to you tonight, if that's the case and you are awakened to the reality of your sin and Kenny talked there about the guilt he was carrying and how he's left it behind and you'd love to know how to do that. Here's how to do it. You face it. You confess it to the Lord Jesus. That's what Simon Peter did. And how did Jesus respond? Three ways. Number one, a new peace. Don't be afraid. Oh my goodness, that's such awesomely good news. In a world full of fear, the Lord Jesus says, don't be afraid. And on what grounds does he tell Peter not to be afraid in his sinfulness? On the grounds that Peter confesses to Jesus that he's a sinner, and on the grounds that the Lord Jesus came, as we've just sung, to take Peter's sin and die for it, pay for it on the cross as he gave his life, on the grounds that he will give Peter his perfection. That's an awesome thing. This is the gospel. This is what changes lives. This is what we're excited about. The only power to put our guilty hearts and minds to rest. So please don't try to make your own peace with your sin by rationalizing it. Don't waste your time trying to come to terms with it. Don't waste your time trying to persuade yourself that you're more of a victim than a culprit. You're both, and so am I. But we don't need to do these things. Our sin is an appalling offence to God, but he has sent the Lord Jesus, his son, to deal with it. He alone has the authority to give you this peace and tell you your sin is forgiven. And Jesus knows that the day will come when we will all realize exactly what Peter, Peter realized that day, that we're sinful. But he loves us so much that he has come so that we can be ready for that day. And not be afraid. There was a new peace and a new plan. From now on, you'll be catching men. In other words, from now on, you're going to be telling others what I've done for you, Peter. And on Sunday mornings, we're jogging our way through a letter that this guy, Peter the fisherman, wrote. It's very ingeniously called First Peter because he wrote two, and this is the first of them. And if you want to hear more about what, how, what this looked like for Peter, why not join us, join us on a Sunday morning? Peter would give himself to the task of reaching others with this glorious news of peace with God through the Lord Jesus. So there was a new peace for him, and there was this beautiful new plan and a new priority. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And you're thinking, are they, were they out of their minds? That phenomenal catch of fish left to rot? Are they crazy? And you might think to yourself, oh, what a stupid thing to do just to follow a wandering preacher. But they didn't do that because they were amenable. They did it because Jesus was amazing. Actually, it wasn't hard for them to leave the fish that day because they suddenly saw in the Lord Jesus the infinite treasure of the universe. More glorious than all the wealth, which would have been all the fish, And all the knowledge and all the friends and all the influence and all the power in the world is to know the one who actually holds all of these things in the palm of his hands. But the hands in which he holds them are nail pierced because he came to to give his life for us. Where are you with us tonight? As we get ready now for baptisms? Does this make sense to you? Do you have questions? Would you like to talk more about it? We'd love to have a conversation with any of you. Stay and have coffee. Chat to any of us, Jonathan and me, any of the elders, friends who brought you. Chat to us, make an arrangement, do it later. Come to one of the little courses we run. If you want to know more about that, just ask. We are not into strong-arming people. We're not into forcing people to make decisions. We don't need to. This gospel is so powerful. All we have to do is try to explain it in the power of the Holy Spirit and trust that God will speak and lives will be changed. And maybe you think tonight, I don't know. I kind of see what you mean, but I don't know. Well, let me close by reminding you of that glorious moment when Peter changed his mind. Don't think it's going to work, this business of putting the nets back into the water, but at your word, I will. And maybe tonight is the night for you to say, I'm not really sure if I can... Get it together to be a Christian. Can I tell you, you can't. None of us can. Or you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I could really be that sure of my sins forgiven and what Jesus did. But here's the Lord Jesus saying, will you come to me? And tonight might be your verse five night when you say, I'm not very sure, but because you say so, Lord Jesus, I will. Let's pray before we sing together. Help us our Heavenly Father now in these closing moments of our meeting to think about this wonderful Savior who came as our rescuer from sin. And as we've heard the true stories of Joel and Helen and Kenny and Abisha, and as we've heard the true story of Simon Peter that day on the shore of the lake, would you convince us in our hearts, in our slow minds, of this glorious reality And grant that even tonight there would be some people who would say, Lord Jesus, because you say so, I will. We ask it for the glory of your name.